Hello, my friends. I'm Christopher Alam. I'm glad to be able to share with you uh, the Word of God again today, this afternoon. I'm home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you are doing well and blessed wherever you are. Now, uh, yesterday I started talking about the new creation, the, you know, the work that God has done in our lives. Now, I'm, I'm going to continue with that. But the first thing I want to tell you is that the new birth is something very powerful. It is not just a, a question of having our sins forgiven and, and having a place in heaven, but it's a question of life itself the quality of life and the life that we have received from God. Uh, because, um, you know, about Jesus, uh, Jesus said something very interesting. He says, as the father has life, so has the son life in himself. And that word there is the Greek word zoe, which in, in New Testament context is used to denote the life of God. He said, as the father has life, so the son has life in himself. Then he says, and I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So the new birth is actually uh, receiving the life of God himself. That's why we become sons of God. We receive the life of God himself. It's a, it's something wonderful, powerful and dynamic. And that's what I want to share with you about what it means to be born again, what it means to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, that expression, new creation, it comes from Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. And I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Version. And this is what it says. Therefore, if any man is engrafted in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. Now it says if any man is in Christ Jesus, that means that to be born again, first thing, it means to be in Christ. That means uh, not outside of Christ, but we become a part of him. Uh, in the book of Ephesians, it says that we are flesh of his flesh. We are his flesh and his bones. And so we actually, we become, when we receive the life of God, not only do we get forgiven and become children of God, but we, we become part of Christ himself. We receive the life of Christ in our lives. And so it says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And this word new creation, in the Greek, it actually means a, a, a new species of being that never existed before. Now, this is important. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, who was a Jew, because in the Old Testament way of thinking, the Hebrew thought was that there were two kinds of people on this earth, the Jew and the Gentile. But now Paul is bringing in something new. He says that now there are no longer just these two kinds of uh, people walking on this earth, but there's a third kind of being on this earth, and that is the new creation in Christ Jesus. And this is a new species that has never existed before. That's why he said we are neither Jew nor Gentile. When we come in Christ, we become freed from our past. 
and we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's why, you, you know, there's no former Jews, there's no former uh, Greeks, there's no former Arabs, there are no uh, former alcoholics or former drug addicts or former criminals, but we are a new creation in Christ Jesus and that becomes our identity who we are in Christ. And so it is very important for us as Christians to, to cultivate that in our lives. Now, one of the worst cliches I've heard, and excuse me, some people might not like my saying this, is when people say that, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Now, when, when, when you look at that statement, the emphasis is actually, I'm a sinner. But there's a little thing there, oh, thank God I'm saved by grace. I used to be a sinner. But I'm no longer a sinner saved by grace. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That is my identity. So it's very important what we believe and what we talk and how we talk and what we say, because that ultimately begins to define us. So I, do, I don't define myself as a sinner saved by grace, and, but what I am, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And then it says here, in the beginning of verse 18, it says, but all things are of God. That means that the old is gone. I'm no longer, I'm not a, like a re-upholstered chair that God has kind of done me up inside and outside. I'm still the old Christopher Alam, but, but you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christopher Alam 2.0. That's not who I am. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have a new life from God. Of course, that's my spirit that is born again. My body needs to be healed. My mind needs to be renewed. And those things, my body and my mind have to be brought unto, under subjection to the word of God so that God can do his work in me. But that's another story. We'll go to that later on. But the main thing is for us to understand that all things are of God. We are a new creation in Christ and all things in my life, everything. I am born of God. I'm born from above. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. That is my identity in Christ Jesus. And we must learn to, to live in that because the scripture also says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The way you look at yourself uh, is, is what you will ultimately act like, think like, and become like. And that's the kind of results you're going to get in life. So we must learn to think of ourselves as God thinks of us. And God doesn't look at us as former sinners now saved by grace with the emphasis on sinners uh, and the question mark of, over grace. But God looks at us as new creation in Christ Jesus. He looks at us as people, really the way he looks at us, he looks at us like he looks at Christ because we are in Christ. Our lives are hidden in Christ, in God. The scripture says he looks at us actually as people who have never sinned because he has washed us away from our sins. That is how he looks at us. And we must learn to look at ourselves the way God looks at us. Anyway, so we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to share another scripture with you. And that is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Now, this tells us what Jesus did for us when he was upon the cross. This is the work of Jesus upon the cross. It says, for our sake, he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God. Now, let, let, this is quite a, a, you know, a mouthful, but in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.21 in the King James, it says, for God made him who knew no sin 
to be sin for our sake so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. That means that upon the cross, Jesus bore our sins. And here this, he became like us so that we can become like him. Jesus bore, not only bore our sins, but he became sin. He became me. He became you so that through him, we may become the righteousness of God. So we have not only received the righteousness of God, but we have become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Now, we have been made righteous, in other words. We have been made righteous, and it's not by our own works, but it is a gift given to us. It is the gift of God, and, uh, we, and we receive it. It's given to us by grace alone, and it is received by faith alone. We cannot receive it by any uh, piety or works of goodness of our own. It comes to us only through grace and we receive it by faith. Now it says, we have been made righteous. Now, what does it mean to be righteous? I remember years ago, I was in a church back home in Sweden, a Baptist church, and I asked them, how many of you are righteous? Nobody put their hand up because they didn't really believe they were righteous. And the reason they thought that way is because they, they looked at themselves. If you look at yourself, really looking at your own flesh, you and I, we will always find ourselves falling short. That is why it is so important that we cease looking at us at ourselves in our flesh, who we are in ourselves, and we look at ourselves in Christ. Because in, in ourselves, of course, there's Paul says there's nothing good in me. In my flesh, there is nothing good. But it is in Christ that I have been made righteous. There's no righteousness in my flesh, but it is in Christ. And that is my true identity. And so we have to look at ourselves in Christ, hidden in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ, in God. So we have been made righteous. Now, the word righteous doesn't mean sinless perfection in the flesh. That's not what it means. The word righteous means to have a right standing with God and to be able to stand before God without guilt and without fear and without condemnation. When a man can stand before God, without guilt, without condemnation, uh, you know, he's taking a stance in his righteousness. That is the ability to stand before God without condemnation, without guilt, without this inferiority complex that I'm not worthy to stand here. Uh, the only way a man can do that if he is aware of his own righteousness. In fact, I would dare say this, that uh, if we are not aware of our righteousness in Christ, that is the greatest uh, detriment to faith because you can know all the scriptures about faith and you know how to pray and you stand before God and you pray and when you have said your final amen you feel like it's not going to be answered anyway and that's because I'm not worthy that my prayer should be answered now that is when you are standing in your own name and Jesus said we shouldn't come to God in our own name, but we should come to the Father in his name because it is in his name, it is through his name that we have total righteousness, uh, righteousness because in ourselves we have nothing. That's why we should never come to God uh, on the basis of our own righteousness, on the basis of our own spiritual accomplishments or whoever we are, uh, but we come to uh, the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he shall give it unto you. And the key is ask in my name. And we, when we ask in his name, we ask the 
the platform we have to stand on is we are in Christ Jesus. That's what we stand on. And so uh, we have this wonderful righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ and we should acknowledge it and we should embrace it and receive it with all our heart and and most importantly, declare it with our mouths. Instead of saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace, I've been made righteous, praise God. I have right standing with God. The Father looks at me like he looks at Jesus. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God, hallelujah. That is where we take our stand. Now, let us share a little bit more about this righteousness. I'm going to read to you from Romans 3, 21 and 24. Now, the backdrop to this is that in the Old Testament, uh, under the law, righteousness was only available to man by keeping the law. If you kept all the laws of God, you were righteous. That was the only way a man could stand before God. But the problem is that nobody was made righteous by the law. And Paul says that by the works of the law can no man be right, made righteous in his sight because from the law comes only the knowledge of sin. God had designed it in such a way, God had said that the only way you can be righteous is by keeping the law, which was of course technically right. If you do everything right all the time, you'll be accepted by God. But it is the weakness of man himself, the inherent weakness and the sin of man that prevented uh, anybody from being able to fulfill the law of God. And so the reason so and the reason God designed it this way is that man should realize his hopelessness and in his hopelessness he would seek the grace of God and and anyway uh, I, I, we're going to talk more about that later but let's go to the scripture Romans 3 21 to 24 but now the righteousness of God has been revealed independently and altogether apart from the law although it is actually attested by the law and the prophets. So what, what he's saying here is, you know, the writer of the book of Romans, what he's saying is that now in our time, God has revealed his righteousness and made his righteousness that previously was available to man only by perfection through the law. It is now available, available to us without the law. In, in, in other words, in today's language, you, like for example, I was there, I was at the Compass Rose, uh, I, I was at the Raffles building, you know, the tower in Singapore, and there's a restaurant, I think it's 75 floors up, and, uh, you, and, and you get into the elevator, and in like 20 seconds, you're up there, and there was always a line there, you know, of people uh, who wanted to go up to the Compass Rose, because when you go up to the Compass Rose, you see the entire island of Singapore, you see Indonesia, you see Malaysia, it's a spectacular view of two different seas and three different countries. Anyway, so uh, when, when, when you go to the place where the elevator is, so you see the door, it says elevator to the Compass Rose, and right next to it, there was another door, it says stairs to the Compass Rose. And the interesting thing is that I never saw a line outside the stairs. I always saw a line by the elevator. But the thing is that the elevator and the stairs took you to the same place. The difference is that you can say that the elevator was grace and the stairs were the law. And uh, grace carries you to the presence of God. Elevator, uh, I'm, and that's the elevator. It takes you to the presence of God. The stairways, that's man's own flesh, own works. and. Uh, you know, and so that's what he's talking about that previously 
the way to attain the righteousness of God, the way to stand before God without guilt was through keeping the law and everybody failed. But now God has made it available to us uh, to a totally different path to a, without keeping the law, totally bypassing the law. It says verse 22, namely the righteousness of God, which comes by believing with personal trust and confidence, reliance on Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And it is meant for all who believe. That means everybody who believes in Jesus can receive this righteousness by faith. Nobody, I mean, there's no two grades of salvation that uh, grade, the, the, the first, the lower degree of salvation is just your fire insurance paid up, you can go to heaven. And then the second higher grade of salvation, which is, a, uh, which is available to a select few, is this righteousness. No, they're the same thing. Anybody and everybody who received Jesus receives this righteousness. The moment you receive Jesus Christ, God looks at you as somebody as equally holy as a person would if he had kept the whole law. God looks at you as perfect in Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful truth? What a wonderful gift that the Father gives to us. Then he says, namely the righteousness of God, which comes by believing with personal trust and confidence, reliance on Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And it is meant for all who believe, for there's no distinction. Since all have sinned, and are falling short of the honor and the glory which God bestows and receives. That means that because we have all sinned, uh, we all qualify to receive the righteousness of God. The only qualification you need to receive the righteousness of God is to be a sinner. And we all qualify. We have all sinned. And so because we have all sinned, we all qualify to receive this righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And it says, and all are justified and made upright and in right standing with God freely and gratuitously by his grace, his unmerited favor and mercy through the redemption which is provided in Christ Jesus. It says that we are justified, we are made just. That means we can stand before God as people who have never sinned. We are justified and we are made upright. We are hallelujah. We have been made holy and we have right standing with God freely by his grace. It's a free gift that is given to us and it is given to us through the redemption which is provided in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This is the greatest gift of all. Uh, we will talk about, you know, as we go further down uh, these days, uh, we, we're going to talk about healing and we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to teach you on the gifts of the spirit, on healing the sick and all, all those things. We'll, we'll, we'll get to all that. But right now, you must understand the foundation. The foundation is that Jesus Christ died for us upon the cross. And when he died upon the cross, he bore our sins. He bore our diseases. He was beaten that we might have peace. And the greatest gift of all is this gift of righteousness. When our sins are forgiven and they are thrown away into outer space or into the sea and God doesn't remember them anymore and he takes us out of who we were in ourselves and he places us in Christ. And the Bible says our lives are hidden in Christ in God. And when the father looks at you and me, he looks at us like he looks at Jesus. Hallelujah. And that is the wonderful gift that God 
gives to us. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm not a singer, but I just uh, remember a little chorus we used to sing when I was a new believer. And it goes like this. It goes, I am covered over with the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. I am covered over with the precious blood of Jesus and he lives in me. What a joy it is to know that the heavenly father loves me so he gives to me my Jesus. When he looks at me he sees not what I used to be but he sees Jesus. Well my singing isn't that good but you got the words. Uh, when the father looks at us he looks at us like he sees Jesus and that is what it means to be righteous and you my beloved if you believe in Jesus I want to tell you I want to guarantee you this you have been made righteous and nothing can separate you from the gift of God and if you understand righteousness and the fact that you have been made righteous you will not have this struggle with faith with believing God for anything because you are God's favorite. We are all God's favorite, but you are special and God loves you. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are watching this, who hear the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that upon the cross, you bore all our sins and you took away all our diseases and transgressions and iniquities and by your stripes we have been healed. I speak blessing upon every home, each house, Father, and every sick person who is hearing me at this time. I ask you, precious Holy Spirit, invade their bodies and touch them. Lord, we throw every disease and every sickness and infirmity upon the cross. And in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I curse every spirit of infirmity and disease, command you to leave them in the name of Jesus. I, I decree and I declare life and health and long life and blessing over you and over your house in the name of Jesus. God bless you all my friend and may you be blessed in all things and in everything you do. I'll see you tomorrow and tomorrow we'll continue to talk about the new creation and we'll talk about a lot of other exciting things. God bless you.